everyone, Alpha Tau here. Got a tremendous bonus for you, and every now and then I'll be introducing these bonus episodes. Uh, this is a tremendous conversation that occurred many, many years ago, and it's an interview with N.A. Urshan, Bishop Morris Golder, alongside of O.C. Marler and Brother Paul Mooney. And this was actually something that was done by Indiana Bible College called Time to Talk. I've managed to uh, clean the audio up a lot better than what I was able to find it. And in this, I think you will enjoy a pretty lengthy, uh, might take a little bit of time to go through it, about an hour and 45 minutes, but an interview uh, with some tremendous men with tremendous legacies and, uh, I mean, conversations that involve the legacy of Bishop G.T. Haywood, music past and present, the future of the apostolic church, the impact of the oneness and holiness community uh, on the communities around them. And so uh, this is just a tremendous interview that I think everybody will enjoy. So enjoy this bonus episode and uh, let us know what you think. Share it with somebody else. Time to Talk. This is a production of Indiana Bible College, and on this occasion, we're talking to two very distinguished gentlemen in the Pentecostal movement. Helping me with the interview is O.C. Marler. Brother Marler, welcome. Thank, Thank you. you, sir. Glad Let me introduce the uh, two men that we're talking to. Both of these men are historical figures in the Pentecostal movement. First of all, the General Superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church International, Bishop Nathaniel A. Urshan. Welcome. Thank you. Nice to have you here. And then also sitting around the table is Bishop Morris E. Golder, associated with the Pentecostal Assemblies of the World. And Bishop Golder, it's great to be talking to you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So glad we could get you two together. That Thank was you. quite an accomplishment to get your yes. schedules together. I want to start uh, talking to you uh, about your life and about the ministry and things that are important to you. But before we get into all that, tell me, first of all, when you met. You two have been friends, I know, for a long, long time. Uh, how did you meet? Where did you meet? Talk to us a little bit about that. You, I think you can go back further. Uh, <laughs> we met at the home of uh, Pastor Ace Summers. Uh, Ace Summers was a very mutual friend of both Bishop Golder and myself. And he was, he was up from St. Louis where he pastored. Bishop Golder was there to preach for special meetings, and uh, Brother Summers had invited me to come down, actually, to meet Bishop Goldberg. So that's where you met for That's the first where time. we met at his home, and of course, Ace was a very entertaining figure. Very right. He was uh, full of um, energy. Where he was in Illinois. Ver Mount, Ver Mount, Mount Vernon, Illinois. Illinois. He was energetic, and he was mischievous. Yes. <laughs> he, Did he, he pulled pranks on us. Yeah. I heard you say, I believe, that you you preached your first sermon uh, at that church. Yes. Yes. Away from me. He came here to the temple doing a convention to be ordained. I see. And that's where I met him at Christ's temple. And I mean, he invited you over to preach. Yeah, he invited me down. And from then on, I went down once a year to be with him. 
isn't it? Brother Urshan, did you say that you also preached your first revival? First revival, I preached for eight summers. He said he, he said he took an awful chance. <laughs> so both you preached your first revival. No, they didn't revivals. know that. They didn't know that until you, got, until you got back in the office. And so yeah. we were kind of chatting there for a while and come to find out you both preached your first sermon. First time, I, the first time I saw Brother A. Summers was at brother, with Brother Norris. Yeah. And they were friends also. Very good friends. Yeah. Well, that's fascinating. And we were talking about that prior uh, yes. to, to us sitting around the table here right. about how you met that very first time. And that be has become a long friendship for both that's of you. Back in the, that was back in the 40s. That's right. Back in the 40s. Yes. I went down one time, and he and I both had a meeting on churches. He, he knew the churches in Illinois. Right. And we preached somewhere each night, different. Yes. Ten nights. One night I preached and he made the invitation. Next night he preached and I made the invitation for 10 nights. And he took me around to the churches in that area because I didn't know them. Where, where are y'all originally from, both of you? I, uh, My home is here. Here. In Indianapolis. Are your, your folks, uh, your mother and dad, was they from here? My mother, my grandfather and grandmother were here, out in West Indianapolis. I see. I was born 2309 West Marsh Street, West Indianapolis. You should you should know these streets. Oh, yes. Well, I'm forgetting them now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Brother Urshan, where are you from? Where's home? I was born in St. Paul, Minnesota at uh, 464 Pierce Street. That's uh, where the one of the oldest uh, apostolic churches uh, has uh, existed through the years. Yeah. Just recently, they tore that building down because it was uh, dangerous from I the see. standpoint of its use. Mm -hmm. And uh, what is interesting to me is Bishop Golder's father was our mailman while we pastored here. <laughs> and he'd oftentimes, uh, my wife would see him and he'd come in and have a cup of coffee with us. Uh -huh. His dad. Well, that's so nice. There may be some people listening to us talk here that are not aware that both of you have become not only distinguished in your ministries, but have become major influences in the Pentecostal movement over the past 40 or 50 years. And it's intriguing to me that each of you pastored in this city, and you still pastor here, Bishop, and of course, uh, Pastor Urshan has gone on to be at... Uh, St. Louis as the General Superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church International, but you were here together, friends all those years, right. and both of you made such a tremendous impact on the movement. And I am, I'm really interested in knowing how you got into Pentecost, both of you. And I'll start with you, uh, Bishop Urshan. Well, I grew up in the Pentecostal movement. My father was one of the apostolic pioneers. He and Bishop Haywood were very great friends. Right. And uh, in their friendship together, uh, I saw Bishop Haywood at our home when I was eight years old. Is that right? Now, you told me an intriguing story uh, about the first time you heard of the Urshans. You've got to share that with yes. us again because that is unbelievable. And you hadn't thought of this until oh, we yes. started talking about it. No, I, I put it down here. Yes. No, when it asked, how did we first meet? Yeah. And I had down here that I heard about the Urshan family before they were here in the United States. I was just a boy in the church of Bishop Haywood. Mm -hmm. It wasn't out on the boulevard where it is now. It was down at 11th and Senate. And he was a foreign missionary man. 
and he placed a lot of emphasis on oh, the second Sunday in the church was foreign missionary offering and he was talking about this family before they got here and helping to get money for helping them to get over here now, now the urchins were were you were in Russia at that time or no. I mean in uh, I I my, that was my father. Your father. And also Timothy. Urshan, yeah. That he's talking about. So they were taking up offerings to get the Urshans over here. This is before you were born. I think before I was in a concept of thought. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you can go back and remember that. Yes, I remember t- them talking about getting them over here. Isn't that I don't know who came here first. What was that slogan he used that morning? Or was it something like, uh, until they get on this side or something like that i don't remember just tell us something that so i I might have misunderstood you but until they come or something like that but he was trying to get them over here yeah Uh, they hadn't even started but they were getting the fair together i don't know how many of them came when they did but uh, that was the first that i heard of their shirt well you know y'all have done so much uh work for god been so many places so it makes me want to know uh, about your apprenticeship, how you got started. What? Well, I uh, I was raised up in Pentecost. Yes. My I, I'm starting a book to write because of the experiences that God Himself has allowed to pass through the Golder family. Yes. My grandmother either had a stroke or a heart attack and was very serious and while she was still not able to get around in her bed sleep one night she said an angel visited her and that angel walked up she said and and put his hand on her and two miracles she was instantly healed and filled with the holy ghost speaking in other tongues yes, I and none of the golder family had any any experience with pentecost they didn't even know where Pentecostal church was in the city of Indianapolis. But you personally grew up under their uh, guidance. Oh, already. yes. They well, were already converted. Uh, my, my my father, I don't know why he was walking up Senate Avenue of the church. Used to be at 11th and Senate. That's where Bishop Haywood was, right. was. He'd had four little missions before that. And he was in that area walking down Senate. And back in those days, they didn't have air conditioning, and it was in the summertime. And they had the windows up, and their Sunday service always started with 45 minutes of singing. Yes, sir. Singing, different hymns. Right. And back in those days, of course, they carried songbooks. They didn't, they didn't Everybody knew this. Uh, oh, yes. Best of all, songbooks, because of power. And they, they had one brother up there. He didn't direct the praise service, but he directed the singing. So your father walked in on this? He, and, he heard them singing he heard them sing. as he was walking down the street. The windows were up. They had no air conditioning, of course, in those days. And he went in there, and that's where the hook caught him. That's where he was interviewed. And he heard a song. It wasn't a pat song, no. Sweet will of God. Yeah, sweet will of God. My stubborn will, alas, is least. Yeah. I would be thine and thine alone. But this is my prayer. My lips are pleading, Lord, let in me thy will be done. Yeah. Sweet will of God, <laughs> still fold me closer till I am wholly lost in thee. Yeah. 
Sweet will of God. And he couldn't get rid of that song. He went back to his mother and said, Mother, I think I found your people. Yeah. That's the beginning of Golders in Pentecost. So the Golders from that time on live for God. Now I've heard you say many times, Bishop Urshan, that you you grew up in Pentecost. Your folks were uh, really quite involved in the Pentecostal movement. In, uh, but you as a person, you struggled uh, as a young man. Tell I, us that story. I rebelled. I wanted to use that word, but I resisted. <laughs> let, let me use it. Uh, I had a call for the ministry as I grew up, and I didn't get the Holy Ghost till I was 16. 16. And uh, my dad would always tell me that uh, I needed to obey the Lord. I was attending Columbia University at the time and playing football. Now you're living in New York at this living time. Living in New York City, and I was trying to escape that call. Right. And I got terribly ill with tuberculosis. And they told me I wouldn't live uh, through six more months. And Bishop R.C. Lawson heard about my sickness. Bishop Lawson was a very great preacher. Yes, sir. And he had a huge See, church. Had a huge church in New York City. Yes, sir. And uh, he heard about my sickness. And he had had tuberculosis when he was a young man. He came up to the hospital and prayed for me. And I got healed. Isn't that I was healed, and uh, uh, the doctors were amazed because they had brought specialists in to especially look at my case. And when the specialists came in, so we find nothing wrong with him. Yeah. That was the day after Bishop Lawson prayed. Now, how old were you at that time, Proxy? I was uh, 19 years of age. So from that point, then, you started devoting your life to God. I was saved at 16, and then I started to obey the will of God, which I had rebelled against. Now, Brother, was, go ahead. No, go you I go got ahead. a question. Because uh, we, we deal with so many young preachers and so forth. Did you ever have any struggles getting a place to preach when you was young? Did oh, you? Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, I, I almost put a sign on my back. <laughs> <laughs> In other words, it just wasn't always there, right? It wasn't always, now, here we're sitting around the table with two men that you would have to say are two of the most prominent yeah. Pentecostal preachers of our time. But I want to go back now for just a moment to your first sermon, and because this always intrigues intrigues me, and I know it does other people. Yeah. Can you remember your first sermon? No, because my first sermon was preaching the street. I waited uh, uh, back in those times at Christ Temple. They had a large number of persons that felt they were called to preach. Yeah. Most of them did not preach outside of the temple. But in street meetings. Street meetings. And, so you uh, don't really recall the specific. No. But what about over in Illinois when you went over there? Can you remember that? I remember it, but I don't remember what I preached. Yeah. What about you? Can you go back and remember that first yeah, sermon? I can because my wife remembered it. <laughs> we, were, we weren't married, and uh, I preached here in Indianapolis at the church that was uh, then Calvary Tabernacle. However, like Bishop Golder, I did a lot of preaching in New York City streets, yes. which is where you, you really uh, learn to sharpen words. your teeth That's right. on situations that are involved there. And then uh, uh, when I preached at Calvary Tabernacle, my wife said the first sermon I preached was entitled, Every branch in me that bringeth not forth fruit, he purgeth it. And she remembered that. And uh, I went, I was staying at the pastor's house, and I was in the... Um, uh, lavatory when 
sister Jean, who is now sister, she came over to visit the pastor's wife. And uh, she wasn't at the meeting, but she asked the pastor's wife, what kind of a preacher was he? She said, nothing to it. Said, uh, <laughs> nothing special. He, well, well, he didn't just talk. He's not a preacher. He's a <laughs> so now you know why you married her. <laughs> well, does that improve some uh, for her opinion? You'll have to ask her. <laughs> she gonna, tell us. She we're going to take a little break here, brother, <laughs> and we'll come back. And we are talking uh, to Bishop Golder, Morris Golder, who is the Bishop of the Pentecostal Assemblies of the World, and, of course, to Bishop N.A. Urshan, who is the General Superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church International. We'll take a little break, and we'll be right back for It's Time to Talk. So many times, uh, it seems like the parents are, are, are just pushed so far in the background. And I know a lot of folks would like to know uh, about your parents. Sometimes they give so much, they sacrifice, so forth. Uh, could you tell us maybe uh, just a little bit of what your parents did for a living, that sort of thing, and maybe an incident or two where you, you'd just like to remember them yourself, you know? Well, my father, when I was a boy, worked in a foundry, American foundry here on the west side. Uh, he was working there when he received the Holy Ghost. Yes. And uh, he worked there for a few years, and then after he uh, took examination and began to work for the post office. Worked there until he retired. Uh, I, I wasn't born when they got saved. But either, I think five months later, I was born. I see. He, was, he and my mother were the, in the first group of persons that the late Bishop Haywood baptized in Fall Creek. In that one baptism, they baptized better than 454 in Jesus' name in Fall oh, Creek. That's interesting. And now, they, your mother and father were, were part of that? Yes. I didn't know that. That's fascinating. They were in that baptism. Because you were, you, you, this is before you were born. Yes. Yeah. And now, is that location, do you know where that location is right now? Where? Fall Creek. Fall Creek. Yeah. Right across the street from where Christ Temple is today. Oh, I see. They went down a little further where they could get into the creek, and yes. that's where they baptized them there. I see. Um, your, your dad, I heard you say your dad later became a deacon. A deacon in the church. But but in secular work, he was what, a postman? Postman, postman. yes. Elder and said, Bishop Urshan rather said that he used to carry meal for them on, on the south side here. But he was worked there in the post office, I think, for better than 46 years. Carried mail. But his father was a delightful person, uh, uh, Brother Mooney, Brother Marler. He uh, worked secularly in. Uh, duties that he performed in this city and educated all of his children real well. Uh -huh. Yes, sir. I thought it was... Bad. All of us, all of the children, there were nine of us, all of us were baptized in Jesus' name, not because of any force or pressure they put behind us, but we were constantly, when my brother next to me, 18 months younger, and I were large enough to come to Sunday school, one of his cousin's daughters used to bring us on a streetcar from West Indianapolis up to the church, 11th and Senate. And we went to the school regularly, every Sunday, for that man is concerned. 
and uh, they brought us up in the confines of the church and out in our neighborhood in West Indianapolis there were quite a few saints lived in that neighborhood and they had a neighborhood prayer meeting they met every Tuesday night and uh, in different homes and when they met at our home while we were just boys and not saved we had to pray down on our knees, we weren't praying. <laughs> he and, didn't dismiss you. No, 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 he no, no. We didn't go no. in the other room. We didn't, didn't go to bed either. <laughs> we didn't go to bed after prayer meeting. Yeah. We had to bow down on our knees while yeah. we weren't even saying, "Now lay me down to sleep," but we had to get down there. <laughs> <laughs> Brother Urshan, uh, your father—did he work ever? What did he do for a living before he started the ministry? Well, he came to this country at 17 years of age, and the day he arrived. His uncle, who was to care for him, was a doctor in Chicago, and his father, his uncle died the day my father arrived on the shores of America, and he had nowhere to go, and the YMCA took him in, and hmm. the Montgomery Ward made him his personal uh, servant, and he served Montgomery Ward for five years, and Montgomery Ward educated him. Um, uh, that's quite a story. <laughs> and after after his uh, secular education, did he, he stay in business somewhere? Or yeah, did he, he had, get into he the had a restaurant, and he uh, went out of business because he had scriptures on all the walls, and uh, <laughs> he he would uh, testify to everybody that came in. And finally, he said, "This isn't a restaurant. This is a church. We're not coming back anymore." <laughs> your father. You told me that your father would you tell that story about. When he goes into a restaurant, when he went into a restaurant, when he's oh, living, what, right. he, what he would do. When he'd go into a restaurant, he'd sing a hymn, and we'd all have to sing with him. Right in the restaurant. Oh, the right there in the restaurant. <laughs> he'd sing, thank you, Lord, for being so sweet. Thank you, Lord, for the good things we eat. Thank you, Lord, for your children that sing. Thank you, Lord, for everything. And then a big amen. And <laughs> <laughs> that embarrassed you at that. Oh, Lord. If you're sliding under the we're, table. We're all, right? we're all, we're all bond heads. And he said, lift your head up and glorify God. <laughs> he was something else. Now, your father, your father never did preach. No, no, he's a deacon. But he was a deacon in the deacon church. Deacon in the church for six years. But Bishop Urshan's father was not only was a preacher, but became a very famous preacher in the Pentecostal movement. Well, he was known as the Persian Evangelist, mm -hmm. and he preached three camp meetings of the Assemblies of God, world camp meetings, before he got the truth on oneness. He got the truth on oneness in Russia while he was baptizing uh, numbers of people there. Yes, and became not only a, a quite a renowned speaker and preacher, but also a publisher. Yes, he published that. In fact, I have a Tell book us a here. bit about this. This is a, a book of his uh, papers he published from 1919 through 1924. And I'm going to arrange for Bishop Golder to have a copy of this. Uh, in this book is a lot of the history of Pentecostal movements, how they started, yeah. and uh, who was the head of them. And he, he mentions a lot of names. A lot of names are in there. There's a revival meeting that are mentioned. There's a revival meeting mentioned here uh, that took place in uh, Canada with Frank Small. Bishop Haywood was the special speaker. My dad taught during the day. They had a revival there where I think 500 got the Holy Ghost in three weeks. Mm. Great meeting. So you had this tremendous influence, and both of you had devotional spiritual influence on you. Yes. I would, uh, I would like to know. You know, we all look at y'all as, as mentors. Uh, 
who were your mentors? My mentor was the late Bishop Haywood. Yes, sir. He was a teacher. I was telling, was it you on the hotel downstairs? Yes, sir. He had four Bible classes weekly in the church. One on Tuesday night, uh, Wednesday night, I'm sorry, and the other one on Friday night was just for saints. Mm -hmm. And then he had two in the afternoons at 2.30, 4.30, and he taught all of them. Yes, sir. Taught all of the Bible classes. And uh, I think I was saying that one of the things he did after I got saved, because I was and felt the call of God to preach, I wanted to get all the word I could get. Yes, sir. And back in those days, there wasn't too many Pentecostal schools right. around. And uh, about the only teacher he was going to get was the pastor. Yes, sir. And he was a good teacher. And I, I tried to get in his Bible classes as much as I could. And on in the summertime, this time of the year, he'd have a question and answer Bible class on Sunday for an hour just before the evening service, 6.30 mm -hmm. to 7.30. And I'd go to those Bible studies just to hear his answers, <laughs> hear his answers. And the thing that got struck me, I never will forget it. <laughs> a sister asked him a question. I forgotten the question, but the time was gone. And he told her to come back the next Sunday and answer the question. And I came back, it wasn't my question, but I came back just to hear what the answer was going to be. And the thing that struck me was, the question was out of the book of Revelation. And that book is a book for anybody when you study it. And you don't learn it like you learn your ABCs. Right. <laughs> he kept his Bible closed and quoted out of that book as if somebody had a paper before him and answered the wow. question. And he not only did that, that time that was an easy thing for him to do. And it wasn't that alone but sometime in preaching a sermon, he might quote a whole chapter in preaching. I think I was telling Bishop Urshan here that he was preaching a sermon one time, quoted the entire 53rd chapter of Isaiah. And just quoted. So he not only was your mentor, but you served uh, as youth leader in that church for a while? At uh, not no, under him. Not under him, but that was later. That was later. Okay. He, he, I got saved in 1930 and he died in 30. Uh, 31. He died in 31. In 31. Well, I yes. thought he lived a little longer than that. Brother Urshan, who, who would you consider? Well, I'd, I'd like to mention three men that were very close to me. Uh, of course, my father. Mm -hmm. uh, I sat under his ministry for years. And uh, there's so much today I can tell you about. I'll never forget his sermons. He never preached lengthily because he had a struggle with the English language. But he would contain his thoughts so carefully until every word meant something. Yes, sir. And uh, I can preach his sermons over again if I had to. And then uh, W.T. Witherspoon, uh, I was close to him when he was the head of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And he was a powerful preacher yes, and a very uh, outstanding pulpiteer. And then R.G. Huckster, who was... Uh, the man that I succeeded here right. in Indianapolis. Yeah. Uh, these three men were very close to me, and I learned so many things from them just by being with them and hearing them teach and preach. Yes, sir. You know, the preachers of that day really had substance That's right. in what yeah. they said, and you would never forget what they said. Very right. Bible-oriented. 
Jeremy. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yes. They knew their Bible. Well, that's interesting. Of course, you both are preachers in your own right, to say the least, and I have been impacted by your preaching and teaching through the years. You both served in the city, Bishop Urshan, pastor here at Calvary Tabernacle for 30 years. You've been pastoring at Grace 40, 40 years. And I was, I, I've been pastoring in Indianapolis 45 years. 45 years. He pastored at Christ Temple for five, five, years. five years. Yes. And then you founded Grace. You founded Grace. Founded Grace. So I want to talk to you as, as you were contemporaries serving together in this community. And I want to talk to you a little bit about how this community struggled, particularly during the time of civil rights and uh, all of that. And we're going to take a little break and then come back to that question. All right. And I want you to tell... Uh, the folks listening to this conversation, what a difference the power of the Holy Ghost made in this community back in those days, because that's something a lot of people are not really aware of. This is uh, time to talk, and we're going to take a little break. And of course, I'm talking to Bishop N.A. Urshan and Bishop Morris Golder, and we'll take a little break and be right back to talk to them about these issues. I want to talk to you a little bit about something that each of you have spoken to me privately about uh, that I think people need to hear. Right. During the uh, America American struggle with civil rights and racism and all that, something very marvelous took place in the city of Indianapolis that even the civic uh, leaders recognized as a presence of sanity and understanding and relationship between the blacks and white in this community. And both of you are uh, uh, attributed to leading uh, part of that and having a role. I want you to explain to us what happened and how the apostolics and the Pentecostals in this community bore up under those times. Give us a perspective on that. Uh, I don't know, maybe... I think that I can go back further than Bishop Urshan because back in the days that Pentecost came into this city, there were no large Pentecostal assemblies, mm-hmm. and there were just small missions. Small missions. Small missions. Yeah. And the, I, I do not know just who started first, but I know where it got a big push, and it was after what had happened at Azusa Street. Mm-hmm. And one of the men, first men that came to Indianapolis came from Azusa Street here. His name was Cook. Yes. And that R.G. Cook? Actually, no, 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 not that Cook. But they started a meeting in a tin shop on West Michigan Street. And that's where the late Bishop Haywood was saved. So Bishop Haywood actually got the Holy Ghost in this community as well. Yes, and on West Michigan Street, in that little tin shop, that a man started the mission there. He was an evangelist. He didn't stay living there. He was an evangelist passing through from Azusa Street. And uh, he wouldn't have known it, but there was another man from Boston that had come. No, he, I'm sorry, he lived here. But he and Haywood had been together in a lodge together. And this man that was his friend went to this meeting first and received the Holy Ghost. And back in those days, they did not 
uh, preach the gospel of being spirit-filled as we do today, three works. You had to be justified, sanctified, and then filled. So you had to come to the altar three nights. The first night to be justified. And the first sanct- night you got justified. Justified. The second night you come, you sanctified. Sanctified. And the third night you're ready for the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Well, it just so happened that the first night that Bishop Haywood came, well, he wasn't Bishop Haywood, he wasn't even, even Elder Haywood. Right. Uh, but the first night he came, he received the Holy Ghost. He didn't, <laughs> he didn't argue with anybody about that, but it sort of laid a foundation for his thinking about it. After he was called to preach, he jumped over the just. Oh, oh yes, no. you come and get it the same night you come to get it. Come and get it. He got all three in one. Yes, that's right. But that's that was a start. And this gentleman, I don't know many how many people had gotten saved, but this gentleman went on east where he came from and turned the mission over to Elder Haywood, and uh, he stayed there for a little while. Then they moved at least four different places in storefronts before they stopped at 11th and Senate, in storefronts. And then when they got there, they had a building, and I don't know what the building was for first, but it was just a Mm one-story roof slant, like a big shed. Right. And they they took that building, and that's where they started, and God began to bless people, and they came and were saved, both whites and blacks. So that those initial, some of those initial mission works in, in that context were, were mixed congregations. But uh, not, and it's a short briefly, but it was 11th and Senate where they began to come in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was still this uh, sort of friction where racism was concerned. Right. I remember a good white brother that became a preacher, and I preached for him in Dayton, Ohio, many years ago. Mm-hmm. His wife was the one that first came. She went around and got saved. And he wasn't. He took his revolver and went around the church <laughs> to kill the pastor. <laughs> Only to find himself hearing the word of God and being convicted and got baptized and filled the Holy Ghost. He carried his revolver to church. <laughs> <laughs> He had to take it back home, too, without a shooting. <laughs> but he turned out to be a tremendous preacher. And after I got up and got saved, and we started, I started singing in a quartet at the church. And we went to Dayton, Ohio, and sang in his church in Dayton, Ohio. He had a church, the name was Elder Martin. And we went, uh, went there and had services in his church. He later became a bishop. Yes, he became yeah. Bishop Martin. But now I want you to expand on the aspect of uh, at one time in this city, particularly the city of Indianapolis. Right, in the, the city of Indianapolis. Blacks and whites were together. At one time, many people would be surprised to know that Christ Temple. At Christ Temple at one time, the congregation was maybe 60% black and 40% white. Mm-hmm. That, but, do you think that had an impact on the city, has had an impact on the I city? I think so. I think so. And what about during the time when this nation... Uh, was in deep struggle did that I've heard people say that that affected this community here that that not too much you don't think not so? too much yeah. because the founding fathers of this church was out of Christ temple yeah and there was another I can remember when this church started they had a you're speaking of Calvary Tabernacle. Calvary yeah. Tabernacle. but what you're saying though is are we saying are you saying that 
the uh, the stronghold, Pentecostal stronghold, took a lot of the strife out yes, of yeah. the integration. Made oh, yeah. it better. Yes, really made, did. And, yes, and of course I can remember in Indianapolis when there were not too many blacks that lived any further north than 46th Street. Yeah. And some of the main streets in Indianapolis, they didn't live on those streets. Mm -hmm. They lived in communities. We lived out in West Indianapolis, and it was a mixed neighborhood. But the Holy Ghost did something. Oh, well, they, they, let, they let it, they were all worship together. Yeah. And whatever on that, Bishop Urshan, because I've heard you make comments on that. I can, as well. say, I can say it from Christ's Temple. Yeah. Whatever one person did, black, the white person could do too. Right. We had white and black preachers in that church. Some of them left Christ Temple and started churches in the state of Indiana. Mm -hmm. We had a choir there, both black and white. Sunday school teachers, black and white. And do you think that that affected the, the community in a secular sense as well, that, that interaction years ago? I mean, we have roots of that here. I think so. Yeah. Yes, sir. You I, comment on that. I've heard you comment on that before. It was in the days of the Ku Klux Klan that uh, they were very strong in this area, but they never bothered Christ's temple. That's right. It's interesting to know uh, because uh, that was one of the... Uh, and that was at a time when they were harassing Very churches. strong, yeah. and that was on their agenda to yeah. separate whites and blacks. Uh, however, one day I asked Mayor Loshi, that's L-O-S-C-H-E, uh, he was the cousin of my mother-in-law, and I said uh, in a gathering of, uh, of people of the, her side of the family, it was a reunion. I asked them, I said, Mayor, why, when other big cities have had severe, uh, severe issues and uh, uprisings in black communities, Indianapolis has never had that. And this was his answer. I will never forget it. He said, that apostle of love. And I said, who are you talking about? He said, you know, Bishop G.T. Haywood. His, yeah. his influence in the city kept both sides well controlled and hit the inspiration of the spiritual life filtered into the very uh, uh, fiber of the, of the community and there was no battles like that in this city. Yeah, that's amazing. That's it. It's amazing that, that uh, even though we're here to talk about both of you, Nevertheless, the fact that you have worked in this city so long, here we are after all these years. You just told me Bishop Haywood had been dead since 1931. Yes. And so that's 60 years ago. Yes, Over 60 years ago. Yes, and here we are still talking. That's right. He would be surprised to know that so much of this conversation goes back to him. I'm yes, sure. sir. Well, uh, he was, he was, I, 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 I give everybody, give him credit wherever I go. Because he was a man of the word. Yeah. A man of the word. He, whatever he believed, he wrote it down. There's a book uh, they're selling at Christ Temple right now called God's Word. Mm -hmm. And it's about a book about that thick. And all of the things that he taught are in that book. In that book. And he was, he was a gifted man. 
he painted all of his charts. My dad said he was a man before his times. Yes. Wasn't he a, a journalist and a cartoonist? And well, he was a He worked for a newspaper before he got was saved. Recorded. The recording uh, before he yeah. got saved here in Indianapolis. And after he got saved, he put that down, of course. But he never let his uh, writing stop. Whatever he taught, he put it down. Yeah. Put it I'd down. like to talk about him more, but I also want to talk about you. Because <laughs> you, and Brother Urshan, because yeah. here's Brother Urshan who has been Harvest Time yeah. speaker for since 1961, and preached all over the world and impacted so many lives. And you have preached I, uh, all over this world. Some, no, not no, 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 ho, ho, no. Uh, leave me in the states. <laughs> <laughs> but you've been around a few places. You're being modest. But I, 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 I can't tell you where I've been outside of the United States. <laughs> But, uh, in, but I doubt if Brother Urshan could do that because he's been so yes, many places. I'll give that to him. You leave that travel yeah. to him. But I have preached in 36 states in this United States. He was the favorite, uh, if I can say it this way, the favorite black preacher of the white preachers. Yeah. Yes, no that's question. right. They, oh, they liked yes, him okay. so much. and He was invited to many places. That's right. Yeah. And we used to hear our preachers, and I could list you several, that were pe preaching Brother Golder's sermon. I was yeah. hoping you wouldn't say Off that. Off of his <laughs> records. That's right. Off of his records. Yes, sir. I've heard several of them twice. My, yes, my favorite. He does a better <laughs> job. Borrowed, he borrowed a few. <laughs> well, well, my favorite sermon is the one where you take Jesus through every book in the Bible. I'd, yeah. I'd like to hear you do that sometime yeah. well, again. I, I wish I could. Yeah. You use yeah. so much energy when you yeah. do this. And Brother, Brother Urshan, a lot of people have preached your sermons too. <laughs> I guarantee you. Our friend uh, Summers you were telling about, <laughs> I had to, every, every, every he came to visit me, I had to hide my Bible. <laughs> the reason I used to make, I used to make notes uh, for sermons and I leave them in the Bible. He would find my Bible, and I wouldn't even know that he'd have all the notes and going. I'd go back to the Bible, just as clean as if it was a new Bible. <laughs> I had a man preach one of my messages, and a lady came up and said, Man, I never heard you preach like that in your life. He said, Give God the glory. <laughs> but he should have given you a little credit as well. <laughs> well, what a great. Well, he came through God. So, uh, uh, well, I was wondering about. Uh, we're going to. Let's take a little break right. here. And then we're. What are you going to. No, what do you no. want to know? What are you going to talk about uh, when we come back? The music. Uh, yeah. The difference oh, yes. in music past and present. That's let's, what I, let's, let's get into. We'll cause a ride here on this. Well, I want you to talk when we get back to talk plain on that they're going to talk plain on that yeah, we will talk very plain uh, let's yeah. talk plain on that yes. and we want to know what kind of books you read and stuff like that so we got some good stuff all right and uh have you got time we'll talk a little yeah. bit more oh, yeah. this is time to talk we're going to take a little break and then we'll be right back and talk to our very special guest Welcome you to this special production of Time to Talk. This is produced by Indiana Bible College, and helping me with this interview is Dr. O.C. Marlin. Thank you. Nice to have you Thank with you us, and all of you. We're glad that you're tuned in, and I hope that you 
uh, will be as excited about our special guest as we are. First of all, sitting here to my left is Bishop N.A. Urshan, who's the General Superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church International. Brother Urshan, welcome. Thank you. And also sitting here on the around the table is Bishop Morris E. Golder from Indianapolis, Indiana, a longtime bishop of the Pentecostal Assemblies of the World. Bishop Thank Golder, you. Thank you. nice to have you here. We have already spent some time talking. We've been talking about different things, and uh, we're going to continue our conversation. And uh, we were talking, the last time that we were talking was about music and how things have changed. And I think, Brother Marler, you were bringing up some questions. Yes. I want you to ask the question that you were going to ask. Uh, all right. But before, there was a little something that came to my mind I'd like to ask Brother Urshan. He talked, he said, you know, his father, and we all know that Brother Urshan admired his father so much, that his father, he made mention that your father preached short sermons. What happened? <laughs> well, uh, he had a he had a struggle with the English language, <laughs> and I know too many English words, and I just put his sermons and mine together. I knew, I knew, I I knew you, you would have, I knew you would have a good answer. Uh, maybe we better get on to the real question. <laughs> uh, I think you just been had. Been had. Yeah. Music, uh, past and present. There's such a difference. I'm sure. I wish y'all would uh, talk a little bit to us about how you feel about music then and now and so forth. Personally, there's a basic difference, I think. The people of those times seem to be happy saints. They did not have choirs in the church. Some of the pastors didn't believe in choirs. Is that right? No, no, believe in choirs. Now, was that true in, in white churches as well as black churches and Pentecostal churches in general? Very yeah. few churches, if any, had choirs. Because you think of our churches today as being choir. They didn't have any. The church here that Bishop Haywood had, they had a song service on a Sunday night for 45 minutes or an hour. Uh, just song service with a song and leader. Of a song, just song a song leader, leader no choir. And brother set up there, stood up there, and just and the people had song books. They had at least five song books. Now you mentioned that the last time. Are you trying to say that you think there ought to be song books in the church? Well, yay, verily. we don't have song books in. Yay, verily. Did they own them and bring them to oh, church? Oh yes, they bought them. Oh, they I had see. their own yeah. songs. Yeah. They yeah. bought them. They, okay. this, churches had places that they, just like we have Bibles and whatnot. Yeah. They had song books. You're putting me under condemnation. I'm gonna have to get song books. Uh, well, they had. Uh, you just had to have somebody teach them the songs. <laughs> Most of the songs they wouldn't. They, don't they know. wouldn't know. They know. But they had at least five songbooks. Pentecostal Power was one. Best of All was another. Songs of His Coming was another. And later on, uh, some of the saints around in the various cities began to write some songs. And they had a little bride, what they called bridegroom songbook of just written, songs written by Pentecostal. Didn't Christ Temple publish that? Yes, sir. The bridegroom songbook. So did Bethlehem Tabernacle in Detroit. Yes, sir. Contrast, though, for 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 us, isn't that what we want? Yes, sir. Yeah. 
do you see the difference between, say, music today? Yes. And, and back there, what do you see as the difference? I, I see a difference in the um, matter of the soulful worship that was expressed in those That's days. Right. Uh, they, they would worship, uh, you didn't have to tell people worship God. They just worship God out of their soul. Oh, get happy singing. Yeah. yeah. And they would, uh, uh, one of the hymns that I loved to sing, and I heard so, so much of it sung was, uh, Oh, sweet wonder, yeah. oh, sweet yeah. wonder, Jesus, son Jesus the Son of God. Oh, how I adore thee. Oh, how I love thee. Jesus, the Son of God. That was G.T. Hayward's song. Yes. And well, they, didn't, they didn't have many three-word songs back no, then. No, 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 no. <laughs> they had, they had, and in, to a great extent, they all said something about Jesus. Yeah. Scripturally oriented. That's right. Yeah. More, th- uh, I've heard people say, would you agree that, that songs were more theologically correct? In yes. Yeah. Well, one thing I think with the people there, the oneness was something new. New. And it exciting. It's exciting. And people were glad to be. And, of course, they went through a fight. They had the battle because they were fought by other denominations. Sure. But they didn't let that bother. So are you concerned, uh, either of you, about the way you see worship today and songs and music? I'm concerned about the fact that the music of today has turned into more of a... Um, musical selection than a lyrical selection where the words are not as meaningful but that's not in every case no. there's some very beautiful things today but uh, they tend more to the musical content than to the lyrical content i think you'll find more as said uh, in songs back in those days however about jesus and who he was because there are very few denominations that think that Jesus is God. Mm-hmm. Would you like to see more of that kind of music being sung today? Do you think if, that would strengthen our churches if we had more of that? If it would just strengthen the knowledge of the people. Yeah. But that, that's one thing that most of the songs that were written by Pentecostals centered around mm-hmm. Jesus. Because in the mind of Pentecostal, Jesus is something more than the Son of God. Yeah. And most uh, people outside in the, well, as I I sometimes tell people teaching, that people of the denominations do not have a clear concept of God. Mm -hmm. And the result is, where Jesus is concerned, he's the second person in the Blessed Trinity. And the result is that he doesn't get the recognition that he does where the... We can believe he's the one God, the one true God. My dad used to take a song that they used to end up with, Blessed Trinity, and he'd sing Blessed Unity. Yeah. <laughs> he was going to change. I can tell something's on your mind, Brother Marlon. Well, I wanted to know what their favorite. I was just thinking, uh, reaching way back, uh, your favorite songs that you would bring back if you, if you could, you know. Let me tell you what I heard at eight years of age. I heard Bishop Haywood sing in our home in Chicago the hymn that he had composed, uh, I See a Crimson Stream of Blood. I heard him sing it. I was eight years of age. 
I didn't fully understand what he was singing. Mm -hmm. But one day later on in life, I said to my dad, I said, didn't he sing that in our home? Mm -hmm. He said, oh, yes. I said, well, I've just discovered what it really means. Yeah. And that song, uh, that song, I see a crimson stream of blood has gone to every denomination. Sure. They sing it everywhere. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that goes way back That's and right. comes down to today. But as I said, most of the songs and most of the sermons and any writings were centered around Jesus. And the reason was this, our teaching of the, the oneness, oneness of God. Was so People were passionate about that. Yes, very strong. And now, something new because there's not another denomination that believes in the oneness right. of God. They're Trinitarian. And of course, we learn how to sing. Jesus, 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 sweetest yeah. name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as yeah. I go. So uh, it took on a new dimension yes, for, for one. And they, they rejoiced in that fact. Now, both of your ministries are identified with the oneness message. Yes, sir. Uh, There's no other message. There is no other message. That's but right. I'm going to ask you if you've got concerns about where it's going to go. Are, are, are we going to be able to pass this over to the young people and do young people see this in your opinion as important as obviously your whole life's given to it I've heard you preach many times and defend the faith Just, I, I, I don't know if I'm asking the question no I but, understand but, what okay. you're saying talk to me about that I, uh, a few years ago I was concerned mm -hmm. however I am hearing and seeing some of our young ministers preach powerful messages yeah. on the oneness of God. That's good news. And you don't preach a powerful message unless you have a revelation of it. That's right. Yeah. Uh, you, you, can, you can be taught formally yeah. about Jesus being one God, but till the Holy Ghost sheds a light on that book and right. you go through it and see everything pointing in that direction yeah. and you get a revelation of it, then it becomes solid in your soul. Yeah. So you're hearing more of that. I'm hearing more, but I'm so, hearing some of our um, younger preachers preach some. There's depth in it. There's substance in it. Yeah. You don't forget it. Uh, you pick up what they said because of how they said it and with what fervor and strength they said it and the anointing on it. And if they keep that anointing, they will continue this generational preaching, which we need desperately to pass on to others. That's right. I have one thing that I'm trying to get across to people, and that is in the 24th chapter of the Gospel of St. Matthew, our Lord Jesus used one word four times, deceive, four times. Four times. And there's only one way to keep from being deceived, and that's no truth. Know the truth. And yes. if you don't know it, you're going to be deceived. That's right. Deceived. And if you just read some of the articles written by some of the supposed uh, ministers of the Bible, you'll find things in their writings as far from what the Bible is trying to get across as we are from uh, right. Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> That's not... Go ahead. What is the greatest meeting, Pentecostal meeting you've ever been in? That's hard for me to say. I was in a meeting in Ethiopia, not the meeting where 75,000 got the Holy Ghost. I was in a conference there, and I saw in that meeting people get the Holy Ghost in the song service, 
I saw him get the Holy Ghost in the preaching service. I saw him get the Holy Ghost after the service. They were getting it all the time. It was, I was a constant outpouring in Ethiopia, Addis Ababa. They have a church there of 10,000 people. I've never seen uh, an outpouring of the Holy Ghost on a mm -hmm. congregation like that. I've never yeah. been in anything like that. But I, I, I saw a picture and I heard and read an article of the one of the brethren of your organization that had gone over to Africa and he was preaching there. He was preaching there. And of course they had no place large enough for the crowd that he had. He had a, about a half million folks standing 500, out. 500,000 yeah. 500, I think. <coughs> standing out for him to preach and they're waiting. Well, he had a friend to come over to Africa to visit him. He asked that friend to pray the prayer before he preached. Repentance. Yes. And he did. <coughs> they didn't have places like this, so the people just laid down on the ground out of their faces yeah. to pray. And while they were praying, I forget how many people received the baptism of Moses while they on that first on, a, <laughs> on their face. On their face. When That's they, exciting. Speaking in tongues down on the ground. Do you see a, a fresh revival of of the Holy Ghost outpouring in America and a revival of the oneness message? Bishop Person just said he felt better because he's hearing more sermons about uh, the oneness message. Uh, do you feel the same way? I, I feel good whenever I hear it. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever I hear. Wherever you hear. Whosoever. We're going to take a little break. I feel good when I hear you preach it. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, you both preach it very well, let me say. Well, that's my foundation. You've got a question I know you're wanting to ask, and we're going to take a little break and then uh, come back and talk. And we're going to talk about some books, and uh, we're going to talk about some about integrity in the ministry and those kinds of things that I think people need to hear from both of you. So we'll take a little break. And then we'll be right back. It's time to talk. And we're talking to Bishop N.A. Urshan and Bishop Morris E. Golder. And we'll be right back. We're talking about some very important things. And I knew you had some things on your mind. I think I cut you off That's all right. last time we were talking. So uh, what were we talking about? I, I knew that our Bible school uh, ministers are going, going to want to know what you would suggest as top priority oh, yeah, for books. We were going to talk about your books. books. Yeah. Uh, what books uh, maybe uh, would you recommend uh, to our, well, to anyone, but especially to our Bible school men and ladies? Outside the Bible, of course. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's it's so evident that y'all are Bible men. We just, but we'd like to have those from you. I wish I could... Uh, I wish I could uh, give to those who are listening to us tonight uh, these books, but some of them are out of print and they should be reprinted. I'm talking about uh, Frank Ewert's Jesus, the Man and the Mystery. That is a fantastic book yeah. on the oneness of God and also about his personal life. And then uh, my dad's book, the life and uh, story of Andrew R. David Urshan, uh, the uh, severe massacres they went through. And by the way, just the other day, there was a massacre over in Bosnia by Muslims 
that killed a lot of people. Yeah. They said 300 people were laying in the streets. Mm. Oh, but I uh, missed that. They, uh, yeah. they, Muslims did that in uh, uh, the land of Persia with Christians. They just, uh, in fact, uh, Timothy Urshan's daughter is in the audience tonight, and her father and my father would tell you what they did to those people when they destroyed them. And that's in that book. And then uh, one of the books that everyone should get hold of is David Bernard's Search for Holiness. Yes. And that is a fantastic book with a great deal of scriptural content. And he proves everything by scripture. And as Bishop was talking to us just a few minutes ago, privately here, he said what he's concerned about is the preaching and teaching of holiness. Yes, sir. And uh, this is a very important thing to the church, not only the preaching of the oneness of God, but with it, the holiness of life. Yes, sir. That is very, very important to a continuity of this message. Mm -hmm. If you don't have the foundation of Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone and then the teachings of the apostles and the prophets. What happens to us when we get away you from You lose an, a very strong foundation yeah. and you wander. You wander away from what is originally true. You can't just have it intellectually. No, you just, you have to have an experience with God and have it in your personal life. And it yes. goes with wanting to please God. Yes. yes. Yeah. The, man, the man or the woman that does not know what is in that book does not know how to live the Christian life. That's right. There is no other book outside of that book that tells us how to do what God wants done. That's, I go into bookstores, Bishop, and, and uh, buy a book or or look at a book, uh, a, a modern book that's written for the Christian market, and I bring it home and I look at it, and it's not scriptural. That's right. And I wonder how many people are, are buying these books and They're, not even well, realizing they're, they're tampering more with the Bible than in any time since the Christian church yeah. has been <laughs> on earth. There's a new translation coming out. It is not on the market yet. That is giving, they say, a more, uh, not as written like our volumes of today. They're trying to bring it down to a much uh, easier English. Yes. Well, see, it's not English that we need. <laughs> we need what thus saith the Lord. The word of the Lord. And sometime in their translations, they get away from what the Bible is saying yes, that is. they don't want to hear or read. Yeah. And they do it through translation. Contemporary uh, English. Yes, sir. And they, they're trying to bring it down to a modern translation. appreciating the Word of God as, as well, as it is. you think, as, as it's not so important or it's, it's not inspired. And well, so. the fact of the matter is, God was trying to get man to know what he has in his mind rather than me telling him what I got in mind. Yeah. Now, we know that we... <laughs> We know that the uh, King James Version was published around 1400. Yes, sir. And uh, I heard one of our good apostolic preachers say, the King James Version was good enough for Peter and Paul and it's good enough for me. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> wrong with that. Uh, Bishop Golder, would you look in your library and tell us a, a few of the books that you have enjoyed? Well... I've tried to get basic books that deal with the Bible. Mm -hmm. 
uh, I have my own personal library. One of the things that caused that, when I was going to school here, after I got back from St. Louis, I went to seminary. And, of course, I'd get questions and whatnot and want to buy books and they'd go to the stores and then it wouldn't have them, sold out. So I just started building my own library. Yes. Yeah. And I, I tried to get basic books. I didn't want anybody to tell me any stories. I wanted to know what the Bible had to say. Yes, so so and your there, primary reading is, is theological books yes, and, and theology yes. and scripture. And very, very, uh, for a few others there. Yes. And there were some good books on, for instance, the Psalms. There was a set of books, five books on the Psalms. I, I love the Psalms. So I bought the five books on the song. Who are they? Who's the author? Oh, Lord. Would that be Spurgeon? or I can't say. But I tell you what I'll do. I'll get the names of the books and authors and give, send them to you. I'll pass them on to the school. <laughs> and then, not only that, I have one or two good commentaries of the Bible. But not every commentary that's out. There were some basic ones that I've gotten because I, I, I don't want anybody fooling with the Bible right. trying to give me English rather than what the Hebrew had to say. Mm -hmm. And see, that's, that's something that translators can do if they want to do that's it. That's right. Yes, they can do. But one thing we can say in most of the uh, Bible translations, men tried to do good jobs from bringing it from the Greek and the Hebrew over into the English. They try to do good, but there are some t mistakes that have been yeah. made. And some translators have an agenda. They, they want to get across the social yes. aspect. That's fascinating. And that is what the Bible... The Bible, two things the Bible has tried to do. Number one, it has tried to give us a revelation of God. Mm -hmm. I've said many times, men may not say, well, God didn't have anything to do with it, but the Bible is so put together that no human mind would ever put it together like it's put together. In yeah. the beginning, God. Yeah. That's where it all starts. That's right. Stop right there. Mm -hmm. And if you don't get that straightened out, there's no need to read any further. <laughs> right. Right. Because all, all right. the rest of it's going to be about him. That's right. Let me switch you just a, a little, uh, although I could talk to you about books all night, but I want to talk to you about something that I know concerns all, both of you, it concerns me, and that, that has to do with the idea of integrity and living a godly life and how important in your opinion I'll start with you brothers and is integrity to to a man some young man that might be listening to us talk right here integrity talk. endures yeah um, dishonesty and other things that are done on the sly and are done through cleverness it may gain you a little advantage at the time it never endures but if you are truthful and honest, that will endure time. That's right. And it'll build your character. And it will show through your walk with God and with people. People will begin to recognize that you really mean what you're saying and you're living what you're doing. And uh, if young men don't get hold of integrity early in their life, they will 
be twisted into all kinds of areas and ideas that go off from the truth. Uh, one of the things about delusion, you don't choose your delusion. God sends delusion. Yeah, and if, that's God's, that, if God sends yeah. delusion, he, you don't pick it. He yeah. gives it so to you. You can't control the delusion. You have no control over the delusion you pick. Yeah, God gives you delusion. And when you get it, it's like a revelation. You think you've got something new. And what you've got is delusion. Yes. And it's important for you to have an integrity of thought, integrity of conversation. So honesty is, is, is inward. Right. It comes out. part of your whole it's nature. Like, it's like David said, uh, Oh God, uh, put in me truth on the inward, inward parts. Inward parts there. Uh, and then he said, yeah. Take not the Holy Spirit from me. Yeah. Renew in me a right spirit. But we live in a society where character and integrity doesn't seem to be so important. I and see that society is going down yeah. into immorality. It's gone. So we're choosing heroes and, and people yeah. without, yeah. I, what, what I think, think the subject of holiness, somewhere I, I don't know where I found this, but it stuck with me. It said holiness has two elements. Separation from, dedication to. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. There's no, there's no sin in holiness. None. There's it no sin. Be holiness if sin was in. That's right. That's right. That's so good. just separation is not enough. That's, that's, it's got to be dedicated. You got to have a dedication, dedication too. Yeah. If you, if you're separated from sin, where are you going? Mm-hmm. So if you're separated from sin, and the thing of salvation is that we're saved to be separated from sin. In, in the plan of salvation, the three elements that our Lord established at Calvary, his death, burial, and resurrection, we go through those same three steps coming into a new creature, buried with him by baptism. Mm-hmm. But we're not buried until we die. When we repent mm-hmm. yes, sir. we're supposed to be dying from dying, yeah. all sin right no saint is supposed to be in love with sin there you go right. he loves holiness because he's coming to a holy god and if he's coming to a holy god with still a desire to sin an appetite for sin there'll be no fellowship with god so so while we are on such a serious note what do you see as the, the clear and present danger for the church? If the church does not hold to the truth of God's word, people won't be holy. And if the church mixes with the world, it will, it will lose its strength of holiness. That's right. Holiness comes from God. That's right. And if you haven't got the character of God in your life, you're going to imitate the world. The Lord didn't send us here for imitation. Oh, sir. He right. sent us here for separation. That's right. Yeah. Now, I know both your ministries are, are in defense of what you just said. Yes. But how do you, what do you say to, to the host of people, unfortunately, who don't share that view particularly? Just keep on saying it. <laughs> I was going to say repetition. Just keep on saying it. Don't keep give on repeating it. Right. But we do have people that are that are. Do we not? Who are saying? Oh, you know, yeah. this holy oh, stuff. Oh yes. Forget yes, yes, separation. Bondage in bondage. Yeah. How do you answer that little deal? Well, bondage. 
my my word has been I, I told my church here this past week that I don't know just when but it seems that the coming of Jesus the rapture has been the first thing in my mind yeah. when it comes to my thinking about God and what he is doing yeah. and what his program is the rapture has been the first thing in my mind yeah. and I have tried in Bible studies and sermons not to leave it out yeah. not to leave it out because that's the next great event the next great event yes. so far as the church is concerned that's the next you'll find this fascinating when I uh, came to pastor here at Calvary and Brother Urson and I had a chance to, to talk and he said, uh, let me tell you something. We were coming down. You may not remember this, but we, you will when I tell you. We were coming up here on Virginia, headed toward the church. And you were saying, you know, when you get really tired and you're having just worried about the church, preach the coming of Jesus Christ. Remember saying that too. We preach the coming of Jesus right. Christ. And you, you reflected on how many times when nothing else worked, when nothing else really brought to bear on people's conscience. I had a man tell me sitting on the front steps of the old church, I was yeah. concerned about the church. I was worried about what was going to happen. And uh, I got up at 4 o'clock that morning to come to the church and pray and met that old man on the steps. I still don't know who he is. When I asked him what his name was, he said three score and ten. And he disappeared from my sight just a few minutes after that. He told me, Preach the coming of the Lord yeah. all through your lifetime, yeah. and people will begin to get ready. That's amazing. That's and that's right. what you that's that's right. to us. And well, holiness. It, it, it's just something, I don't know what, what, but this thought of holiness mm -hmm. being the readiness that's going to right. take us out of here. Yeah. No, it's interesting, Bishop. The first church preached his coming. Yes. And they talked about it as the last days. Yes. And actually, when you look at the last days, a day with the Lord is as a thousand years and yes. a thousand years as a day. He was talking about these last 2,000 years, and we're entering into a millennium. Yes, sir. We're nearer to the coming of the Lord than we ever have been in our whole, in our lifetime. whole life. They preached it in the apostolic days, and the wisdom of God's manifested in that. They preached his coming in those days. When they died, they were ready. Mm -hmm. We're preaching his coming in these days. When we die, we'll be ready. ready. And we might we might go up together. Yes, sir. Yeah. Don't you think? You know, we might be raptured together. Preaching anointed. Hold on to your coattail. <laughs> <laughs> anointed preaching. Anointed preaching of the coming of the Lord produces holiness, don't you think? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Preparation. Sure. Yes, it preaches, I think, a preparation for it. Yes, sir. But a man has to have in his heart and mind That's that he right. wants to be what God wants yes, him to be right. to be man. The preaching's got to touch a heart yes, ready to receive receiving the word of God. Let's hold here a minute and then take a little break. You got no you got a thought. Go yes. ahead. No go on. I, I I don't want you to lose it. Uh, well I was I was talking about thinking about an experience. I wanted an education. Yes. I lived in St. Louis and there were, well, after I got saved and called the ministry, I wanted it. I wanted to go to seminary. Yes. There were some seminaries in St. Louis, at least five. Mm -hmm. There was a, a Lutheran seminary, uh, Episcopal, uh, Catholic. 
Catholics in there, and, in, and there's two or three more. Yes, there. But I called up the Lutheran seminary because they are people that say they believe in faith and the Word, and so I thought they they wouldn't be too far from the Word, and I wouldn't mind going. So I called a man up on the phone to find out what I'd have to have to enter, and I said I. He asked me, what, what is your denomination? I said, I'm Pentecostal. He said, well, I might as well tell you now, before you come, that if you come here to go to school and you take what we teach you, you're going to have to take an examination and stand up for it, or you don't get a degree. I said, thank you. <laughs> That's why I'm that up. Yeah. So <laughs> that was the end of that. You went to Christian Theological Seminary. Right here. Right here, yes. Yes, yes I went here. But how long did you live in St. Louis? I, I, I didn't want to take years. you. Twelve years. Okay, 12 I was years. curious. But what I had in mind was it was the desire that I had that wanted me to go to school. I was 36 right. years old when I went out to Butler University yeah. and had to go into college first and get a basic degree before I go to seminary. But I spent seven years out there. What, what, I, what, I, what I'm saying, it, the desire I had, yes, sir. My, my age and how long, sometimes I'd stay up half the night, get up early in the morning and all that, to get lessons and whatnot. <laughs> and I dropped one course, Greek. I, the Greek can have the Greek. <laughs> Let's stop there. We'll take a little break and we'll be right back. The Greek can have the Greek. And we'll be back in just a moment. Thank you very, very much. I want to thank you, first of all, if I don't get a chance to tell you that we're very, very delighted that you would I'm glad I was here. give time. I hope you do. let us do it again sometime and we we'll get back together. And There's so much, so much that you have that you could share with the rest of us. I want to take you back. I don't know what you have, but let me just take it back just a minute. Uh, I want to talk more about the oneness message and its fate, let's say, in these last days. We have some enemies of the message. We've always had those. Yes, sir. So reflecting back on in your ministry, in your ministry, what would you say has been, not the person necessarily, personality, but the biggest enemy to to, to getting the message, the oneness message across and sustaining it in the hearts of God's people. Let's start with you, brothers. Traditional Trinitarianism. Mm -hmm. It's a basic fundamental of the Catholic Church. And the Catholic Church has spread it throughout other denominations. Uh, But how does that affect, does it affect our people because they're just hitting it all the time? Yes, it affects some people who have not really been, uh, have a full understanding of the oneness of God. Uh, once you get an understanding of it, uh, like the Bible said, he taught them from the uh, uh, book of Moses, from the Psalms, and from the prophets about himself. The Old Testament un- enfolds Christ. The New Testament unfolds him. So that when you come out of the Old Testament to the New Testament, even though he taught his disciples from the Old Testament who he was, he himself became the object of their thought their desire and right. their teaching because of who he was i think it was interesting when he he when the woman was cast into the presence of the lord jesus and they said we caught her in the very act of adultery I, I, that was a setup because where was the man if they caught right. the act they should have brought the old boy too yeah. <laughs> but they didn't bring the man and they were setting jesus up 
What I get thrilled about is the fact they stooped on the ground and wrote, little did they know they were walking into the one, coming into contact with the one who wrote the law. And they said to him, Moses in the law saith, yeah. And the one they were saying it to was the one who wrote it. Yeah. And what he wrote on the ground, I would to God I knew. I've got my ideas. Yeah. Uh, well, that last time he stooped down and wrote, I think he said, where were you on the night of July 19th? <laughs> Where'd you go on a certain time? Yeah. Because the, they all left. They all left. There was nobody there. Yeah. She said, does no man condemn me? The power of the preaching of Jesus Christ is the momentous yeah focus for all religion and as the days go you're going to find out trinitarian is trinitarianism is going back to where it came from and the oneness people are going to be separated as a group unto the lord and there'll be more trinitarians getting the light than ever before yeah well, we're in for a tough battle, wouldn't you think? Well, a real battle. So we need to get focused on what we, we really know I, what you, our, you see it that way bishop well i think our our weakness as God's people is lack of knowledge. If you know what the Bible has to say about the revelation of God, right. nobody can shake you. And as I've told, I tell people, the Bible starts out right. In the beginning, God. Yeah. It starts with God. And if you're going on with God, you're going to have to learn about God. And the Bible has said, in all thy ways acknowledge him mm -hmm. not them him right and he shall direct thy path not they he right and if you go from genesis over the revelation fourth chapter the heavens open and john sees one sitting on the throne sitting on the yeah throne. there it is yeah. he's looking into heaven and if there's a trinity where's the other two yeah <laughs> they didn't have a throne but it's done my heart good to hear you both say tonight that you, you believe there's going to be people preaching this message. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. going to go. Until he comes. Yes. And anyone, any man, there's no way in the world I could ever preach three gods. No. I didn't think they could go through this session without preaching. Yeah. <laughs> I, tell you, I tell you what I told Grady. You better get us going on. Grady didn't uh, quote me right in charisma. He said, I said, we, there's not much difference between... Uh, us and Trinitarians, I didn't say anything like that. My God, if I said that, I'd, I'd have to go down I'd and pant all over you. again. But what you say? I'd have to come get him. Yeah, oh, you'd right. have to come get him. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what I told him. I said, listen, Mr. Grady, if the heavens opened up and the stars fell out of heaven and there were three thrones out there and three sitting on them, we wouldn't believe it anyhow. Got it. <laughs> We uh, can't believe it. No. That's right. How would, uh, if there are future generations, how would you all like to be perceived and remembered? As a oneness preacher. Oneness Pentecost. Pentecostal oneness. Pentecostal oneness. We got some Trinitarian Pentecostals. Yes, sir. Well, there is it. I'd like to re be remembered as an honest, godly man who preached the truth and didn't waver. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, that's not too far apart. <laughs> Those two things, I think, go together. <laughs> One is Pentecostal. You can't be that and not be godly. Yes. And you can't be that without being holy. You can't be that without being sanctified. Right. Yeah. 
You can't be that and be ignorant. Have, is there one regret that both of you could remember that stands out most in your mind? I would, I would have married my wife when she was 13 instead of 19. Uh, well, he's, he still has to politic about his wives. Uh, I have one regret where the church is concerned, and that is I, I appreciate this service. I appreciate it because we've come together to talk about things that pertain under who we are and whose we are. That's right. Mm -hmm. And who we are doing whatever we're doing for. And yet to let our color break the unity yes, and the fellowship that we ought to have sometimes grieves me. And to think that we are getting ready to leave here. Yes, sir. And we're not going to leave here by the races. No, sir. We're going to all fly together. Yes, sir. Or not it, go. It, or not go. Or not go. Well, because the say. Lord doesn't look at cultures. Uh, the Bible. I'm not, I'm not talking about culture now. No, I know. I'm, I know what you're talking about. Just skin. I, mean, I know. <laughs> it, has to, it has to do with skin. Uh, there's different cultures, different yeah. skins. Uh, the Lord did, didn't make of one blood. Oh, um, he didn't make of one skin all the nations of the world. That's he made right. of one blood, one blood. all the nations. That's and there's right. no blue bloods. That's right. They're all red bloods. But and that, it, the people blood. don't see that. Well, of course they don't. No. Uh, because they're traditionally imbalanced. Yes, sir. That's one reason why I say that holiness and the truth of God's word has to tear all that up. It yeah. overcomes it. Because if it doesn't, we're not ready to go. We're not. Are we preaching right if we're not getting that result really the way we should? Uh, yes, if you preach it. One of, I mean, if we preach right, won't we get that kind of result that you're you talking You may not get it 100%. Because we live in a world today where man thinks his mind mm -hmm. does not have to deal with what that word says. Right? Yes, sir. Yeah. That's true. We say, Acts 2, they repent, be baptized, every one of you. <laughs> Christendom out there in the world says, sprinkling. <laughs> so they sprinkling. <laughs> and yet, St. Paul told the church at Rome, it was burial. Uh -huh. Buried with him by baptism into death. That's it. Like as he was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we. Planted together in his likeness. Yes, yeah, but that isn't what the man the sprinkling. Make three. Uh, you had a question, I Brother Urshan. Uh, besides not marrying your wife earlier, <laughs> what? Uh, what is there one regret? Yeah, I have one regret, and that is I didn't obey the call of God earlier in my life. Yeah. I had to go through the uh, rough areas of sickness and distress before I. Quit my rebellion against God. I regret that I didn't do it earlier. Yes, sir. Somebody, you brought up your wife. Let's talk about wives for yeah. a minute. And uh, well, my talk my, about your wife. Tell us about your wife. My dad uh, told me when he first saw her. He said, "If I was a young man, I'd marry her." <laughs> I said, "I don't want you to pick up my wife for me. I'll do my own selecting." 
he said, uh, well, I just thought I'd help you. You haven't, haven't got enough sense about that anyhow. And uh, uh, I'm so glad he brought her to my attention. I married a jewel. And she is a precious lady, lovely lady. What advice do you give to young men about picking a companion? Pick her for her uh, disposition. My God, you can marry a Hellcat. Yeah. <laughs> Pick her for a disposition. <laughs> Pick her. For May we quote you on that? <laughs> you have just been quoted. <laughs> Pick her for disposition, That's for true. character, and for her love of God. Yes. All those three go together. And if you get one like that, you've got a good one. Does it matter? If well, I can you? thank God in my married life. I've uh, lost two wives in death. I got a third one. And all of them have been saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, and precious, precious. And the sisters are sitting out there now. <laughs> I thank God because she said she loved an old man. And she's treated the old man like he was a young man. So I can say this, that I, I'd rather have Jesus for more things than just missing the lake. <laughs> I'd rather have him for all the positives. Thank yes. God. Give us advice to young men about picking a companion. I let God be in my life first. And I let God be in her life too. Anybody that marries outside of Christ and you're in, you're just building troubles for yourself. But if two people walk together and agree, yes. they have a good foundation laid. But if one's going north and the other one's going south, yeah. <laughs> they got a problem. Got a problem. The Bible teaches not to hitch an ox and an ass together. That's right. That's what I say. Put in capsule form. <laughs> We've been here a long time, I think. Put in capsule form. Put in capsule form for me, Brother Urshan, uh, if you can. Advice. <laughs> Advice to young men. I'm trying to get you back on target. You can help me out here. And then I'm going to get him off again. Then you're going to get him off. <laughs> Uh, let's just stay with the advice thing one more time. Just in capsule form, advice to young ministers. Young. I think I think that any young minister, any young minister, ought to take advice from a good pastor. And most of the Pentecostal pastors I've known have been good pastors. My pastor told me when I thought after I felt my call to preach, and I went and told him. He said, well, I asked him, what did he think I should do? He said, well, no man ought to think in terms of pastoring that does not have some experience in preaching. And I would suggest that before you even thought about, you even think about a church, that you do some preaching. And I took him at his word. And it was two or three years before I even let anybody talk to me about pastoring a church mm -hmm. because I wanted to get what he said as a good foundation. Got some preaching experience yes, and good foundation. And I not only preached well in Christ's temple, 
And I felt my called my first uh, preacher's mission. I was uh, meeting. I was in that the pastor had that were better than ninety men and women in that meeting that said they were called to preach. And I was the youngest in there. I said, well, I, I, I didn't even think. That's, of, that's when you went out on the street and started yes, preaching. <laughs> I, I didn't I try to think about preaching in the church because I was just getting started. And there that's was a lot right. of folk in there much older than I was so preaching before I was even in the church. So I didn't I didn't have any trouble with saying cancel that place out for now because I wasn't getting up there to testify. I knew too many in there was preaching. And I didn't bother that. So when they had street meeting in the cemetery, I was glad to go to street. And they used to have that one. That one church used to have at least a dozen street meetings on Sunday out that one church. Down on the circle, Indian Avenue on the east side, the parks on the west side, out where Kings is, all over the city, that one church. Because they come in that praise service going on on Sunday night, bringing sometime four and five folk to be baptized in Jesus' name from street meeting. So the capsule and capsule form, your your advice is to get a good pastor and follow his instructions. I'd, I'd tell everybody that. Yeah. And it's safe whether it's preacher or not. Speak Brother, on that subject, Bishop. Yeah, well, it's a, it's, a, uh, it's a rule in the United Pentecostal Church that if you're going to get licensed, if you get a local license, you have to sit under a pastor. And after a local license, then if you uh, want general license, you have to be ready for a full-time ministry. Mm -hmm. And they feel like the pastor's recommendation of the individual that sits under their teaching mm -hmm. can be recommended by the virtue of his faithfulness, his commitment to God, and his understanding of the book. You made a statement before that... Uh, uh, was interesting to me about the, it's a lack of knowledge. Uh, the Bible does say, "My people are destroyed for lack well, of knowledge." Well, so, I, I think that's one of the reasons why uh, emphasis should be put on teaching. And as I said, the late Bishop Haywood had four Bible classes in that church a week. You followed that up when you became Christ yes, Temple sir. pastor. Yes, I remember sir. that. Yes. Sir. That's quite a load, four yes. Bible studies a week. Well, he was ready for them. And uh, I, 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 that's one thing. That if I could have been his son, I'd have lived in his house just for the teaching. Yeah. Because yeah. He, he, could, he could teach the Bible. Right. He would teach the Bible. He wasn't just stuck in, shall we say, the book of Acts. We got a lot of preachers. In there. The Bible's Acts. <laughs> Acts is not the Bible. There's more to it. Yes, more, more to it. <laughs> That's right. Much of Acts is out of the Old Testament because uh -huh. they didn't have a new one. I've got to ask a question. What is the most, in, would you share with us the most embarrassing moment oh, of your entire life? Oh, Lord. <laughs> Who's going to go first here on this? Uh, I'll be glad to tell you. Uh, Bishop Smith, uh, Bishop Francis Smith, yes. invited me to a meeting with the... Columbus, Ohio. Uh, no, he no, was from Akron. From? Oh, Akron. This is okay. uh, his nephew. Yes. Carl Smith's nephew. That's right. He invited me to a meeting of the bishops of the uh, PFW. I think you were there that night. And I came in before he brought me in. We had a, he took us to a Chinese restaurant, and I had shrimp, uh, uh, shrimp uh, cocktail. No, 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 shrimp. Uh, it was the uh, meal itself. Uh, uh, 
what's some of these Chinese dishes? <laughs> it was shrimp chop suey, the largest, nicest, plump shrimp you ever saw. You fa failed to mention that you were in a Chinese restaurant. Chinese restaurant, oh. Chinese restaurant. While I was eating, I had a vest on. While I was eating, somehow one of those shrimp got down under my vest. <laughs> and <laughs> Bishop Francis Smith introduced me, a big introduction, you know. Uh, Brother Urshan, General Superintendent, etc., etc., etc. When I got up, that shrimp shot out from my <laughs> shot out from under my vest on the floor, and some of those brethren looked over and said, "I think you lost a part of your anatomy, brother." <laughs> that shrimp was lying on the floor with ketchup on it. <laughs> your most embarrassing. Yeah, I. He said, isn't that great? I get up and introduce you like this, give you a nice introduction, and you shoot shrimp out of it. <laughs> I guess you're yeah. next. Uh, I, I can't compare with that. No, come on, come on, come on. Come on. Yeah, tell think, us. Yeah, I think you're wiggling out of it. Let me tell you about, I'm, I'm, tell you about I'm, Elder Tobin. I've had some embarrassing moments, but not eating. <laughs> no, tell us. I'll tell you what Elder Tobin told me one night. I was over preaching at Christ Temple. I was very young. He was kind enough to let me preach. And uh, an old boy got up and went to skipping around the church throwing kisses at the people. Yes, I remember. Remember? Yeah. He's throwing yeah, kisses at everybody. Kiss. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, who is that, the Elder? He said, I'll trade him for anything you got. Sight and see. <laughs> yes, I'll trade some saints. Sight and see. <laughs> Trade church members. Maybe that'd be a. <laughs> he said, "I'll trade him for anything you got, sight unseen." <laughs> I remember. I uh, wish we had more time, but we. we well, I, I would like to just maybe finish with on a more serious note, perhaps. But he's not going. To. I don't think he's going to give you his most embarrassing right. moment. So on a more serious note, I'll tell you one of them. Ah, uh, go ahead. No, no. Come on, No, 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 no. I won't tell. I can't tell it. I just can't tell it. <laughs> we, we got. Yes. You want to? You want to bail him out? No, 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 no. Uh, you wish list. What would you wish for all of us uh, who? Uh, are coming down the trail, so to speak. What do you wish for the church? What, what do you want to happen in these next few years? Personally, I wish there was a closeness of all Pentecostals. Mm -hmm. After all, we are oneness. Yes, sir. Not only a one God, but we're supposed to be a one people. Mm -hmm. Our organization should not separate us. He's oneness. Any other apostolic, one God, baptism in Jesus' name, people are oneness people. Mm -hmm. And we're all talking about rapture. I should be. We're all supposed to go up together. Going to come together in one holy city to live together. For eternity. And yet, there's very seldom that we can have a meeting such as this. Very seldom. I, I give Bishop Urshan the credit. There was a time that 
we wherever we had our national convention, he was there. He was there, visiting. He was on the program and had to be on the program to be there. He right. was there. And I don't think that's a thing that just one person ought to do. We are one people. Not because of color. Right. Not because of education. Not because of finance. But because of what God has done in our life. The message. In the message, and not only, through, not only through the message, but the life that he has given us. Brother Golder, I was really encouraged uh, at what, when Brother Mooney uh, idea came forth and y'all were went with it so strong on Pentecost Sunday. That's, that's great. Uh, that was uh, that was one of the greatest meetings I've been to in a long time. Yes, just to be there. Yes, that was a special moment. Yeah. And we're going to get to do that again in 1998. Well, and that's the way it ought to be. Yeah. I, I'm telling my folk, I, I, Pastor, I, I've, I've told my folk recently that we are not taking any of Indianapolis to the Holy City. Ideas, concepts, not going. We're not taking our attitude to nothing. There it is. Nothing. Nothing. What we take that we are not even taking these bodies. We're going to get a change of body before mm -hmm. He's already changed our hearts, trying to change our minds, yes, sir. trying to change our attitudes, trying to change our spirits. We're not taking any of this that we are outside of what God has made us. Yes, sir. With us on the leave. Mm -hmm. There's not going to be any corners for <laughs> women that want to get somebody's attention because they don't feel good or somebody has hurt their feelings. No, they don't want to be that there. Heaven is a holy place. That's it. That's it. And the song we used to sing in church, sin can never the enter there. there. Yeah. All within its gates are pure. Yes. From defilement kept secure. Sin <laughs> can never enter there. I like your wish. That's a great That's wish. It. Tell us. Your wish for the church. I have a similar wish, uh, uh, Brother Mooney. If you will recall in your meeting here in Pentecost Sunday, this city is so filled with oneness people. Truly. You can hardly walk down the streets of this city without mm -hmm. being, uh, you know, That's talked right. to by somebody right. and say, Praise the Lord. That's right. Russian. You can, it, I hardly come to the city and can walk through the streets without meeting somebody who's a member of somebody's church. That's right. And if this city, got together with a concerted effort to reach the city and of all the churches would come together in meetings similar to that at more opportune times, I think you'd see an awful lot of people uh, come to God. Uh, tell them what the mayor told you when he walked in and saw that. Yeah, Remember what the mayor thousand, told you? 7,000 young people. Yeah. No, oh. uh, Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost oh, Sunday. he was blown away. He had never seen anything like that. And, and what did he say? And, uh, of all the meetings that he had ever been to, he had never seen that kind of enthusiasm and love and fellowship between That's people. what he said. He said, I've never seen I've such never seen this. love and fellowship. of." But he had seen similar things staged, but the element of the Holy Spirit was out there. there. Yeah. And, and, and that was blending right. everybody together. He could tell that was real. He could tell it was a real love there. He I said, have, I've never seen this. I have preached for many oneness groups. Uh, we had a mutual friend who passed away, Bishop Smallwood Williams. Yes. Uh, he, was a, he was a man that started a great organization. 
he was a, a real fine man. And concerning the matter that we referred to before about uh, discrimination and segregation, he went to school with his boy and sat in the schoolroom when his boy went to school to see that he was not harmed or hurt or nothing was done to him uh -huh. and sat through the days in a grammar yes. school. That's right. And broke down a whole lot of walls in that That's city right. over that very thing. Isn't that something? That was really something. Sat down with him in his all day long school. Mm -hmm. Yes. Brother French, I think I saw him out in our audience here, has done a study that uh, has been pretty well documented and it's part of his thesis work and has established the fact that there are 17, perhaps 17, as many as 17 million apostolic people in the world. So that's more than maybe most of us really suspect. There's, there's more than that, uh, Brother Mooney. You know that uh, church in uh, Taiwan, Yes, that uh, Truth Church that preaches Jesus' name, baptism, heard about and uh, oneness of God. They have six million people. Six million. Six million oneness people. That's quite a. We've got a, a wonderful future ahead of us, don't you yes, think? Oh, and yeah. Exciting. I, I said to someone the other day, I think that let next not ten years, trouble. Yeah. Heaven is not going to be skimpy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, John was writing the Book of Revelation. He said. 10,000 times 10,000 10, and thousand of thousands. Yeah, there it is. Right. right. And he also oh, said God. Uh, they wept because they could not find anybody to open the seals of the book. And he and said the Lamb yes. opened the seals of the book. And they said, they sang a new song. That's thou right. art worthy mm -hmm. to take yeah. the book and to yes. open it. For thou hast redeemed us from every kindred and tongue and nation and people yes, by thy blood. Great. That's Brother right. Monner, I don't know if you got another question. No, right. uh, I, I want to say to both of you, first of all, I know, in be, I say this on behalf of a lot of people, thank you for your preaching, your yes, ministry, yes. your life, your integrity, your consistency. To you, Bishop, the same. Yes. Uh, your tremendous preaching through the years has touched so probably many more people than you know. And then after having said that, thank you for allowing us to talk to you here and yes. to share we didn't get to the bottom of anything, maybe, but we shared some ideas and we felt your spirit. And I, I think our talk will inspire people and help yes, other people. I'm glad to be here. And, I, and you'll always be remembered. I'm glad, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to see the bishop again. I don't get much chance to see him as much. I'm going to walk in on him one day. He's looking oh, good. Hard. And I understand, I understand they got some something for us to eat a little bit, and we'll enjoy that. And everybody said hallelujah. <laughs> thank you, sir, for being with us. God bless you. All Bishop, right. thank you very thank much. You. God bless you. It's been a delight. Joy to every minute. And, uh, thank you. We'll do this again sometime. What do you say? Sure. Let All me right. know. God bless.